Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our, Our teaching team, team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion. To which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to, to expand, expand in faith, faith hope, and love. hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because, because they, they anchor us in something, something which can, can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we exist to join god's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us everywhere we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching we hope you enjoy this week's teaching um our scripture today our second scripture is psalm 104 verses 24 through 30. how many are your works lord in wisdom you made them all the earth is full of your creatures There's the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and Leviathan, which you formed to frolic there. All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Enoch. Okay, so it's Pentecost Sunday, and I feel so weird about it. I mean, I come from a Pentecostal background. I came to face an Assembly of God church. We were charismatic to the extreme. Uh, We anointed our doorways, our shoes, our cars, our wallets. Anything that could receive the EVOO that Pastor promised came straight from the Holy Land without being stained was anointed. We sang songs about the Spirit breaking forth, consuming fire, and all the ways we will know that the Spirit has been poured out. And in case you need a Pentecostal reminder, it's when the young men see visions and old men dream dreams. In fact, every single Sunday was Pentecost Sunday in my childhood church, and we fervently believed what N.T. Wright says of the Spirit. Those in whom the Spirit comes to live are God's new temple. They are individually and corporately places where heaven meets earth. So this is, this is what I come to. This is what I bring today for Pentecost Sunday. And like I said, it feels weird. We are here on Pentecost Sunday, and. Um, we, we, as far as I know, don't have like a fun call and response like we do on Easter that Christ is risen and he has risen indeed. Exactly. I mean, I guess what we could maybe do on Pentecost Sunday is what's made popular in black churches and Tyler Perry's sometimes hilarious, oftentimes cringy character Medea. In these plays, Tyler, a man, uh, a man dresses up like an old black church lady, and you often find Medea ending her rants with, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. And it's spot on and glorious, but also a very specific revelation of a spirit-led faith. So here we are, I feel weird, Pentecost Sunday, I have nothing pithy and fun to bring to you. No call and response. I feel a little almost ambiguous and not sure how to lean into Pentecost Sunday. 
I mean, it, it could work for me to lead us in something like that, but then it might not feel very authentic. It, it lacks for me the, the, the bigness of swinging from the rafters and Jericho March enthusiasms that I was taught were mandatory when we're talking about the spirit. I have nothing to offer you that feels extraordinary. It's a very ordinary moment in our lives, but this is not an ordinary day. It's Pentecost Sunday. And maybe we come into a conversation about the spirit with some baggage and some questions. Maybe it feels weird for us too. Maybe we could assume that, the, that today is the day that we pray for big expressions of faith, like our friends in the Pentecostal tradition or the disciples in the upper room, where, as we heard, they gathered together in one place, and then from heaven came the sound of a rushing wind that was violent, and it filled their entire space. They were sitting. And then all of a sudden, divided among them were tongues of fire, that rested on them, and then they began to speak in different languages because they were filled with the Spirit. And, and, then, and then people who heard them speaking in those languages knew that those languages were their mother tongue, their native tongue, and then they were connected to God in a deep way. Maybe today's the day we pray for something like that. And if that is what's welling up in you, then I bless that and honor that. It's Pentecost Sunday, and we read passages like Acts 2 and Again, we could easily feel like our own connection with God is lacking because we don't have faith to pray for something big like that. We haven't experienced something like that. We do not have things stained by pastors EVOO at home. There's so much about my own Pentecostal upbringing that I appreciate. Uh, a passion for prayer, a deep conviction that God is moving in our lives, and an invitation to be spiritual warriors in this ongoing battle with what Paul calls in Ephesians principalities and powers because we wrestle not just with flesh and blood. But as I look back at this upbringing and I kind of sit with my discomfort, like, why do I feel so weird? I'm reminded of one moment that made me really weary of the Holy Spirit. So I, like I said, came to faith in this Assembly of God church as a little kid. Um, I watched all of these adults be slain in the spirit and speak in a prayer language. And, and I just wanted that for myself. And so I went away to youth camp, about, and I was about 12 years old, and I, I went away to youth camp. And that week, and it was Assembly of God youth camp, that week, the speaker got up and said, it is my one job. In fact, the spirit has told me that every single one of you in this room if you confess your sins, we'll get your prayer language. If you don't leave here by Friday with your prayer language, then, then you haven't spent enough time confessing your sin. So my job this week is to help you know where you've messed up so you can get right with God so that you can have an intimate language that just you and God know so you can pray with him and he hears your prayers. Okay, just, just to sit in the trauma of that for a moment. <laughs> So I'm 12, all my mentors have this language, and now this, this preacher who is young and he has a cool graphic t-shirt, and he's telling me that like the way to really be, be connected to God, the way that I can only listen to God and know that God is listening to me and speak to God in the language that God gets, like, what's up, like he, get, he made English, why can't I just speak in English, but whatever. The only way is, is if I get this prayer language. And the only way I get this prayer language is if I spend the first few days of this time away from my parents just sitting in my grossness. Okay. 
So I spent that whole week, and, and I, I was like, hey, Lord, so do you remember? Like, okay, so I, okay, so I got that Twix from the store that mom gave me, and then, like, I could have gave my sister the right one, but I really wanted both the right and the left one. But so then I ate it, but that was wrong, God, so forgive me. And then, God, by the way, do you remember that time when, like, mom asked me, like, um, did I clean my room? And I said I did, but then I really just shoved everything under my bed. That really wasn't clean, God. You saw that. You know that. I'm sorry. Where is my language? And every night I would come to the front and I would just lay at the altar and I would say every single thing that I could potentially think that God remembered and God would say, yes, that's the one. That's the one that I need you to say. Here's your language. And then I could be able to speak this language and know that God saw me and loved me and heard me. And I wish I could say that I left that that week with a prayer language. I did not. So I went back home and I went to... My, 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 one of my mentors, and I was like, okay, but I didn't get a language. And she said, oh, you know what? Maybe God is just teaching you to persevere. So like you did, you did say everything you did wrong. God saw that. If, you, if we are faithful to confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins. This is now your time to just be long-suffering. And I was long-suffering for two years. And I remember I was at a revival because Pentecostals, we do revivals really well. And I was at a revival and I was laying on the altar and I was saying, do you not love me? Like, I love you, but do you not love me? Because I just want to talk to you. And so then I entered into this wonderful season of, that I call spiritually faking it till I make it where I should have bought a Hyundai became like this long phrase, should have bought a Hyundai, and you just say it over and over again, should have bought a Hyundai, until it feels like you're speaking in tongues. Or say Jesus, 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 which I drive a Hyundai now, and I just realized that that's kind of funny, but. Exactly, there we go. And it felt like I was doing this spirit-led thing I didn't have to confront my sin in my community anymore, but it wasn't authentic. So I think I'm coming into this space feeling kind of weird on Pentecost Sunday because I don't think that the God of the universe that made us, that made this world and smiled and said, it is good, wants us to be heartbroken and wary and feeling a little weird when we think about God's spirit. Part of my training as a spiritual director has been to show um, and and how to be with people, um, sit with them and companion them when they have stories like mine. When they come to a conversation about their spirituality and being spirit-led and they feel weird. Where their earnest faith became a liability and where their spiritual leaders that were involved in that process were doing their best to help, but they just reinforced harm. And sometimes when I'm sitting with someone who has a story like mine, who says, I just feel weird when I try to pray, when I try to talk to God. I feel really resistant and skeptical when people talk about the Holy Spirit. I really get Jesus, because there's, there's, there's historical evidence, there's things I can read about Jesus, like that feels like I can put my arms around that, but God feels like God's holding something back from me, and spirit feels like I can't control them, they're like all over the place. So I don't know what to do. So sometimes when I sit with people 
who, who, who present to me these kind of questions, I ask them a question. Tell me about your picture of God before the hard thing happened. And I sit and I listen to them. And it feels very much like 11-year-old Oshida, who loved God something fierce and fully trusted God and knew that good things were in store for, the, for her. I sit with them, and, and then as they share with me all the, the things that they, that they loved about God or they experienced in God's presence before the hard thing happened, I invite them into a, a space of silence to just be nurtured by that picture again, to go back and honor that that was a real experience for them. To say that, that God has showed up as good and lovely for you. God has showed up with hope and an invitation to trust. I sit with them with that and, and just ask them to allow themselves to be tended to by that memory. And then after that, I ask them to describe their picture of God after the hard thing. Now, how do you perceive God or experience God? And it's always really interesting to me. I've only, I've only been a spiritual director officially for one week. I graduated last week, and I had my internship year all this past year. And I've sat with dozens of directees during my internship year, and it's so interesting to me when the Spirit invites me to do this that I see them have varying, diff, varying responses to that second question. That, 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 that the way that God has the, the picture of God has shifted and formed pre-hard thing, post-hard thing. It's is, is so different, per, person to person. It, it tells me that the spirit is actually at work in their individual lives. You know, for some, their love for God deepens, and so we just rest in that love to comfort them. And that when they feel that why and what if, that grossness, those questions, they can sit with the reality and the, and the truth that they are loved because God still feels really loving and safe to them. And some, it's a complete opposite. That, that harm has caused a wall, and they reject or deny the work of the Spirit. They apply their minds and bodies to their spiritual formation because they cannot trust God with their souls anymore. And almost always, in, in that moment, when somebody is resistant, my call is to just be a voice of comfort and invitation to rest in a knowledge that God is for them and this harm does not define them. Sometimes I use silence. Sometimes I use Schitt's Creek analogies. Sometimes I use scripture. And oftentimes I use the Psalms. So I think it's really interesting that as I was sitting with the lectionary, that one of the Old Testament readings was the Psalms. Because the Psalms have always, for me, was a psalm, because the psalms have always been for me a wellspring of authentic, challenging, deeply human, but profoundly spiritual writing. So it's Pentecost Sunday. And what we often forget about the Pentecost narrative that runs in the background of all of the wind and raptors shaking and tongues of fire and people speaking different languages, what we forget about is that in the background, the that's running in the background of this whole thing is that the Spirit has showed up and met people on their terms and in their languages. Theologian Willie James Jennings says of Pentecost, the miracle of Pentecost is less about the hearing and much more about the speaking disciples. Speak, speaking, the disciples spoke in the mother tongue of others, not by their own design, but by the Spirit's desire. 
I'm going to read that again. The miracle of Pentecost is less about the hearing. It's less about the consuming of the work of the Spirit and the being a part of the work of the Spirit and the speaking. The disciples spoke in the mother tongue of others, not by their own design, but by the Spirit's desire. And then those who were looking in heard the gospel of Jesus' love in their own heart language. The Spirit showed up for people on their terms, right where they are, through people who opened themselves up to be used by the Spirit in that moment. The miracle of Pentecost is that through the person of the Holy Spirit, God comes to us. The miracle of Pentecost is that God knows our mother tongues, not just our actual languages, but the deeper languages we speak. The internal narratives, the quirky ways our minds work, like how my ADHD feels like I've got a constant ticker tape of information playing in the background. God knows this. God meets me there and delights in me and has compassion for when that ticker tape is just too much. God knows me and meets me. God speaks compassion and delight over me. Though other, through others who may not be fluent in my ADHD-ness, but are willing to get it. And when they speak to me in that way, when they offer love and patience and compassion, when they engage with me, I feel seen and loved. Maybe that's the miracle of Pentecost. Through the person of the Holy Spirit, love shows up. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is charged to be our comforter and friend. The one who is called the Spirit of Jesus, because after Jesus' ascension, the Spirit stayed to remind the disciples of the love they felt in the physical presence of Jesus. The Spirit is the one who empowers us to show that love to others so that the goodness of God is never far away from the brokenness of this world. Maybe the, the miracle of Pentecost is that people who felt like outsiders who came from so many places to Jerusalem, were prepared, who, people who were prepared to feel like others, be othered for their different languages and cultures. No, these people were invited into the story of Jesus' love because it was told in their language. The Spirit met them where they are. So maybe today we could reframe our expectation of the Holy Spirit from this party-crashing fire starter to a loving and intimate and warm friend. Because, the Acts, because in the Acts narrative we read it's, it seems to communicate that the Spirit's ministry is to help us experience the love of God in a deeply transformative way. There was chaos with so many languages and so many questions, but soon order came. Native speakers looked around and said, that's my language, and it was good, so very good, which is why I chose the psalm to continue our exploration of the Holy Spirit as his loving, intimate, warm friend. I'm so intrigued when, when we look in Psalm 104, and you can look at it in your liturgy, of all the ways that we see creation responding to God's presence. The Septuagint credits the Psalm to David, and we don't have a, reason, a good reason for disputing it, and this work of poetry is often thought of as a creative retelling of the Genesis story. And as I sat this week with it, I noticed one word the last, in the last verse of today's reading, your spirit. 
And it made me think of Genesis 1 verse 2 that says, Now the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters, and God said, Let there be. The creation narrative in Genesis goes on to describe the world God made and how over creation you can hear the rumbling voice of the Spirit, Let there be, and it is good. So we look at today's psalm in our liturgy, and we can see how this world that God spoke into existence interacts with its creator when God spoke their heart language, when God met the world on its terms. You are chaotic and void, and I'm going to enter into that chaos and bring life and order. I am going to show up and be. Let there be. And we see what happens when God shows up. Life and vibrancy. We look in this psalm and we see that there is caregiving and a sustaining role that the Spirit plays in tending to creation from keeping a watchful eye on the coming and goings of humankind to laughing with delight as creatures frolic and play. We see the ongoing interconnected ministry of the Spirit. And maybe we're invited to be careful that our faith resists a very Western quest for big and flashy that we might come to Pentecost Sunday expecting, the manifest destiny of spirituality, if you will, that looks for big exploits. And maybe we're invited to look for the quiet, invisible labor of the Spirit. I'd like to pause for a moment and read this prayer over us because it's one that invites us into an awareness of the quiet, invisible labor of the Spirit. In the same way that creation and all of its noise and all of its movement was was inspired and, and overseen and cared by the Spirit in this quiet, running in the background kind of way, sometimes it's hard for us in the chaos and the movement and the loudness of our life to quiet ourselves and pay attention to how the Spirit is moving in the background. So we're going to take a moment of silence as I read this prayer from St. John of the Cross, who was a Spanish Catholic priest and mystic and a Carmelite friar. Um, He's a patron saint of mystics and contemplatives and Spanish poets. So I'm going to read this twice and allow the Spirit to invite us in. And then we'll, we'll finish up by exploring the passage in Psalm a little bit more. So in our first reading, just let these words wash over you. I'll pause after the first reading for silence, and then I'll read it again. A living flame of love, a lamp of fire, and whose splendors the deep caverns of feeling, once obscure and blind, now giving forth, so rarely, so exquisitely, both warmth and light to their beloved. How gently and lovingly you wake in our hearts, where in secret you dwell alone, and in your sweet breathing, filled with good and glory. How tenderly you swell in my heart, with love. O living flame of love, O lamps of fire in whose splendors the deep caverns of feeling, once obscured and blind, now giving forth, so rarely, so exquisitely, 
are both warmth and light to their beloved. How gently and lovingly you wake in my heart, where in secret you dwell alone. And in your sweet breathing, filled with good and glory, how tenderly you swell in my heart with love. It's always a little tricky to unpack a psalm. It's like unpacking the words of a beautiful lyricist like Bob Dylan or Kendrick Lamar or Dolly Parton. It's poetry, and, and poetry is not meant to be analyzed into excruciating detail, but meditated over, pondered, welcomed into the tender places of our hearts and minds. So we're going to approach this psalm looking for invitations of the Spirit who is meeting us right where we are whose goal and intent is to allow the love of God to swell into our hearts. Because this psalm gives us the capacity to expand our view of God and the work of the Spirit if we let it. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of love. It is God's love that meets us in our lives. In the same way the Spirit meets every facet of creation described in Psalm 104, the Spirit wants to meet us in our lives. And as I sit with Psalm 104, I see four invitations for us to ponder this week. One, that we are invited to seek wisdom from God and God's wisdom. That God's wisdom for us is beauty and life-giving. That we are invited to offer gratitude to God for all the things we have, big and small, flourishing and resting that we're invited to laugh with God, to play in God's presence. And we are invited to trust God with our needs. These four invitations, I hope, meet us in a variety of places. Because this psalm is about God's great exploits in creation. And this Pentecost, I don't want flashy exploits or catchy call and responses. I want an understanding of the spirit that's accessible and relevant. I want an understanding of the spirit that tends to the imposter syndrome and the cynicism that developed when a misunderstanding of the person and work of the Holy Spirit was taught to me at such a young age. And today's psalm and these invitations help us rest in the love of God. And here is the last thing I will say about these invitations. It's a beautiful thing in an invitation because you can accept it or amend it or reject it. So maybe the invitation to trust the Spirit for a prayer language feels too much for you. It did for me. But the invitation to offer gratitude and laugh feels more your speed, beautiful, and may you be blessed in that delight. Or maybe you're in a season of transition and seeking wisdom from God is exactly what you need. Then you know that that quest is as deeply spiritual and impactful as that upper room moment with the tongues of fire and proclamations of the gospel. The work of the Spirit, I am learning, meets us where we are and reminds us of the love of God. Because here's the deal. The Spirit hovers over every single one of us and says, let there be. And it is good. And the deep, comforting rumble of, the, of God's voice reverberates in our souls. So let there be, because you are good. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any questions or would, or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.